Hey guys, and welcome back to this week's 12 Questions podcast here at We Are Social Media. This week, we're bringing to light one of the industry's hottest topics, safety. Joining us today is Pinterest Safety Policy Manager, Jeanette Reba. So Jeanette, if you're all set to go, can we get a little intro into yourself and how it is that you got into the world of social media? Or more specifically, safety policy management? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Jeanette, uh, Jeanette Riebe, and um, I started off after college taking a customer service job for Facebook, specifically for um, German users. They were just starting to serve that market um, and looking for native speakers. And so I, I took that job, moved to California, um, did that for a while. And that's kind of, that was the same time that they started also more seriously thinking through um, their policy positions and, and how to handle different kind of um, customer complaints. And so that's kind of how um, I got involved in all of this. And um, my manager at the time was just an incredibly like interesting um, person to talk to. And so we ended up spending a lot of time talking about um, policy and safety. And so he eventually took me on his team. Um, when he left, I took over um, the policy team at Facebook um, and then eventually left. And, and now I'm at Pinterest uh, doing safety policy for Pinterest. And, and I would describe it kind of as um, trying to figure out, given what um, the company is trying to achieve or what kind of value they want to add for um, the user, be it um, dialogue, giving people a voice, um, or in, in Pinterest's case, helping people discover ideas and, and discover and do what they love, um, like what kind of what kind of boundaries or expectations should we put in place for, for content behavior on our um, website so it creates a kind of culture and atmosphere that really allows people to do that. So I think, I think that's kind of how I think about um, content and safety policy. Perfect. So now let's kick off with a little icebreaker. What social media channel is it that you gravitate towards the most? Are you an avid pinner? I am, yes. Um, and you know, for, for me, it changes. Um, in the same way that you have different preferences for other things in your life um, over the years. Um, same with me and social media. So um, Facebook, because I used to work there, um, but also because I'm German and now I live in America, has always been dear to my heart. That's kind of how I stay connected to all of the people in my life that are spread across the continent. Um, and so whether it be at um, messages or, or checking in on people every once in a while, that's kind of where um, I am. These days I spend a lot of time on on Instagram and Pinterest, um, Instagram, because I just love photography. And so I follow um, a lot of photographers there, a lot of travel magazines there. And it just brings me joy to kind of stay connected um, with that community and those artists. Um, and then um, Pinterest is just kind of my own personal um, vision board and, and inspiration, whether it's fitness right now or cooking or, or Christmas gifts. Um, it's just kind of where where I go to every once in a while. Um, but, you know, given how much time I spend with my job on tech, I also just kind of try and um, limit my use somewhat um, outside of office hours. And I think we see that a lot in the industry these days. When you spend all of the time on these platforms for work, you often limit your personal time to breathe. Otherwise, it's a rabbit hole that can take you away from reality and human interaction. 
Um, can be very easily. Yeah, I agree. Um, Pinterest also has this really cool concept of of knitting, and and that's all about like you know like the best ideas actually come from um, you bringing in different perspectives, different people, different backgrounds into a problem. And so one of the things I I want to make sure that I do outside of my work hours is read books. So another things that I'm interested in: architecture, design, psychology, or or just like you know, chill and, and go hiking. So my mind is free to just make good decisions the next day. So that's another concern. Like it's another um, concern of mine. It's essentially a mental health break. That's a really hot topic in the industry at the minute, given our addiction. Uh, yeah, I think so. And I think in, in my job, because we also deal with some of the um, less wonderful traits or, or behaviors of, of people, it's good to get outside and just remind yourself that, you know, on average, um, things, things are good um, and people can be kind and, and there's, there's beautiful stuff out there just to balance it out a little bit. So now for the tough stuff. What is it that drew you into being a social media policy manager? Yeah, so it it was an accident that I got into it. I just literally followed my curiosity. Again, my, my manager was just this interesting person to talk to about what should we be doing and what is needed here and what boundaries do we need online. Um, and so I, I got in by accident and now I'm just so fascinated because there's so much to learn here around almost like what kind of justice system or human behavioral change do we need online? What actually drives human behavior online? What is effective when it comes to like creating boundaries um, for people using platforms? And so I, at this point, it's just I am my, my curiosity is peaked and there's so much to learn and so much to learn also from the outside because you know people have been dealing with notions of policy enforcement um, offline for 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 centuries and so there's a lot to learn here for me too so I'm, I'm just I'm curious I guess and that's what keeps me here. So going back to basics then what does social media policy actually entail? Yeah, when you when you go to any of the platforms, they usually have community guidelines. And so community guidelines end up being explanations for what of kind what kind of content and what kind of like atmosphere and culture we want to create on on our websites and where we've decided as platform to kind of like draw boundaries and put prohibitions in place. The very common ones usually are um, hate speech and hate organizations, um, threats, pornography. Like so, so there's definitely a set of common ones. And depending on what your company is, um, you'll have additional ones. So you have less than others because maybe like your mission is free flow of information. And so it, it really is. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's online laws um, that you hope to transparently communicate um, before people sign up for your site so they know so they know what kind of expectations you have of them. So two questions here. What would you say to those skipping over the terms and conditions and what do you think the overall understood guidelines of social media are? Yes so I think increasingly so actually my first my first thought was when you start a website I don't think we can expect anyone start using a website we can not expect anyone to just read through an entire manifesto um, and study the terms or any of that, right? And but I think like increasingly everyone that kind of thinks about social media, safety, all of that stuff, um, 
understands that what we need is more spaces in which people feel safe to be themselves, um, where you can trust um, people, accounts, profiles that you're interacting with, um, that your behavior or, you know, like speech or, or attacks um, have real consequences um, if locked at like the other party. And so, I mean, honestly, it's, it's just kind of basic basic human decency and i know everyone like everyone learns that in their own lives um people learn that this is really important online too and so it's just this ongoing dialogue about norms and behavior um, and so that's kind of like something that we participate in i think so with that in mind what do you think is the biggest challenge that's faced when setting up social media policies um you know, for me, actually, it's the notion of implementation and enforcement. One of the things that makes this a really challenging job is that we're, we actually, we, we cannot put policies or prohibitions in place that we can then not do anything about it. And so for me, as an individual, I have to really intricately understand how our website works, um, how people come to see content and how people come to get into interactions with others. Um, what can our own operations and customer service teams actually um, do? What tools do we have? What technology like do we need to build but do not have yet? And so there, there's so much pragmatism that needs to go into um, my job. I can't just write a policy that says, please all be nice to each other. Well, how are we actually going to um, make sure that this happens on our site? And and someone in inside Pinterest actually once told me um, that definitely in certain cultures, but just in general, like statements can be perceived as promises. So if I say our policy is um, everyone on Pinterest is nice to each other, but then that doesn't reflect at all the reality in our site. It's almost like um, people will hold that against you. Um, why, are you write, why are you writing that, but then you don't do anything about it? And so there's this inter interesting balance about setting intentions, but also making sure that you can do something about it and that that's a real commitment that you have to the people using your platform. Absolutely. And I think that's where this whole conversation really started. The expectation of social media was that everything was private and that everything they were putting out there was safe. But in fact, what we're seeing is a lot of platforms are really going to have to take extra measures to ensure that they're living up to those expectations and being transparent with their users. Which is why we're starting to see platforms like Facebook flagging updates to policies or keeping you aware of your security options. How is it at Pinterest? Do you regularly update users on policy changes? We definitely also, I think almost every um, company at, at this stage, given how much attention there is, has, has a policy of being as transparent as possible for um, around like what our policies are and what will we do about it and, and sending notices if, if terms or privacy policies or anything changes. So yeah, absolutely, we do that too. Um, I think like the question always is like, what more can you do? And what are the unspoken expectations of people using technology today, um, right. given given all the focus and, and how do we anticipate um, that? I think like actually like a lot of that is, is, is told to us or escalated to us by organizations that have literally dedicated themselves to like 
I don't know, raising alerts or educating the public on, on how to use the internet and, and, and media platforms. So. so then what would you say has had the biggest impact in terms of the evolution of safety policies? I think at the moment actually is it's the public attention on this field. And that's that's everything always has like ups and downs, right? So like the ups of what I love is there's certain topics, um, social justice, online privacy, online safety, um, democracy, civic engagement, that always should be a public dialogue. And to have truly everyone participate in that dialogue right now, press, regulators, us, um, and the public is actually is really good and really healthy. At the same time, for us, that means there's a lot of scrutiny on us, right? And so um, then you have to decide to which degree do you want to make immediate changes. Um, some of them might be too hasty. You might start promising something you cannot actually um, fully implement today. So then people will have disappointed expectations again. And so um, we've kind of moved away from a time where a lot of these things were done internally um, and and just like slow and steady. Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, like we're, we're feeling the pressure, obviously. Um, that that's, that's not always bad, but but it, it's definitely felt. And I'm sure that pressure coupled up with user feedback and data is what continually drives those changes and in innovation on your platform. But continuing on, what would you say makes a good social media policy? So to me personally, actually, it is um, being informed on what the actual problems are that people are facing on your platform. And so depending on what the demographics are, what kind of content you offer, is it video, is it live stories, is it ideas, is it, is it websites, um, you're going to have very different problems. And so obviously, like externally, there's a lot of dialogue on what we should be paying attention to, but um, we do a lot of paying attention to what kind of inquiries and complaints come in literally through our customer support teams. Um, we do a lot of research. Um, and so my primary focus actually is in understanding what the actual problems are of people on our platform so that my safety policies are not just generally like the top 10 things, um, hate speech, bullying, um, all of pornography um, and how we feel about them, but actually below those topics, what is the kind of stuff we see on our platform and what are we specifically doing for that? And so the, the details of it should be informed by what's actually happening on, our, on your platform. Yeah, I agree. It's about listening to your users. Doing the research is one thing, but understanding what it means to your users is another. Yeah, and, and it's, it's actually very interesting depending on what happens in the world, depending on your demographics, depending on the culture and the country, um, people's needs and sensitivities um, change. The the kind of behavior that is it is undesirable um, might have um, like an increase or a decrease. So like it actually it really changes um, all the time. So naturally, at the moment. Um, there's a lot of focus on on hateful speech or divisive 
um, speech. And a year ago, that was different. A year from now, it might be different. So you want to pay attention to what's actually happening on your platform. So what is it then that differentiates Pinterest from all other platforms and their safety policies? Above all, we're, we're not a distribution or a speech or a broadcasting platform. Um, we're, we're really a platform for like an individual to come to and, and discover ideas for themselves. And so um, we, of course, have like amazing um, creators and, and people on our site that have great ideas, be it recipes, fashion, style, travel, like anything else that we want to connect people to. Um, but it's not so much that we that we made like a big broadcasting promise. And so that actually means that for me, given this specific nature of the platform, I can, um, I can really focus on how do I keep this, the kind of positive and inspiring um, corner of the internet um, that people come to love. And, and, and that means that our policies will be much different from others. I'm sorry, I'm getting a bunch of like WhatsApp um, pings right now. I'll, I'll turn that off. Um, but yeah, different, different, very different flavor of policies from a Facebook, a YouTube, a Twitter. So how is it then that you end up measuring success? So the TLDR on this, actually, I measure success by whether or not my policies are changing and evolving. And, and here's why. For two reasons. One, we've already discussed. Um, I should constantly be updating guidance that I give internally and just in general to the teams that actually implement these policies and, and keep things safe and inspirational um, often and based on what's happening. Um, but also um, externally, right? Like uh, continuously, I'm just um, trying to find um, organizations or even talk to peers at other companies to learn how they do things and how they do that better. And we're, we're a company that's no longer tiny, but we're also not large. And there are certain um, things that we can learn from other industry peers, either that they've learned the hard way or where they've done great innovative um, things around um, keeping people safe and detecting bad things happening on the platform. And so Success to me means every year my policies have improved significantly, taken into consideration what's happening, what we've learned as an industry, um, what outside organizations and experts can can tell us about what we need to pay attention to. And so evolution, I think, and that's actually one of the things that keeps me in this job as well. Um, policies are kind of like laws with the exception of they're much easier to evolve on a company level than on a country level. Um, and so um, not only am I constantly learning, as everyone else does outside as well, but I, I can really like implement much more quickly um, what I want to do better. And, and that's actually pretty satisfying. And personally, that's what I love most about social media. It really enables collaboration and communal learning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it would, I mean, one of my favorite things in general is just learning. I, we've talked about this before. That's why I'm kind of in this job. And so um, I just, I really love the opportunity to um, bring in people that have spent decades studying specific topics like self-harm, hate speech, or, or, or other things, or even just like things like justice. How do you motivate people to do better or change their behavior? Um, and, and there's just an infinite 
um, amount of people globally that are experts on this that we can talk to. So, And the psychology behind it has to be so interesting. Oh, yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, human behavior and human psychology is is one of my favorite um, subjects. It's, it's something that I've actually like thought about going back to school for. And, and like this really, this really just is, is kind of like one practical application of knowing about human behavior and human psychology. So what have we missed off? Is there anything that comes to mind for brands, users or platforms to consider? So I personally just think a lot about ethical tech um, and time well spent. Um, and so I, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for individuals, for families, for brands that do marketing or that, that push products and, and for companies themselves to kind of have their own little discussion around what is time well spent? What value do you tr do we truly deliver um, to people using technology? Where do we maybe want to say no to something that might even be profitable or or increase the amount of time people spend on our site, but not in a very like valuable way? Um, and so I just I think that conversation is coming up increasingly because there's so much being written around um, online addiction and stuff like that. And I think for for someone like me that actually loves technology and has kind of grown up with with technology and social media um, as well, um, that's a super interesting question and one that we want to well, get right is too much because it's, it's just an evolution, right? Like to learn about how to do that well. But that's what I think about a lot. And I think brands can do that um, in the way that they market, in the way they use imagery. Um, platforms can do that. Um, families can decide how they want to spend their time online and, and what's useful for them um, and how they want to show up online, too. I feel like everyone treats their own family members well, but like, what are you going to teach your kids about how they should show up um, online, on Instagram, on, on Facebook, everywhere where they interact with others? Exactly, because that has been a conversation over the past couple of years that has really evolved. The evolution of the industry as a whole has just been truly fascinating. What once was anonymous is now being dictated to become more transparent which I think is great because it enables a safer environment that has ultimately transformed the way that we portray ourselves online. But I think there's still some work to do regarding our love of polish, but we're getting there. Yeah, I mean, I am a huge Brene Brown fan, and so the notion of realness and vulnerability and, and spaces in which people truly show up as they are um, it is a super interesting topic to me. So then closing out, what's a fun fact that we will not find on your social media profiles? Honestly, the thing that I always tell everyone else is that I am obsessed with wombats because once upon a time, um, I came across a YouTube video of an Australian, I think like conservationist or something, and she was holding this giant cuddly wombat and just scratching its bum, true story, and it was living its best life and enjoying itself so much, and I just ever since then cannot stop collecting um, images and videos of wombats, and all my friends send me images and videos of wombats, and I have an entire Pinterest board section dedicated to cute photos and videos and illustrations of wombats. So that is my fun fact. <laughs> 
Excellent. So have you actually had the chance to hold a wombat? No, not yet. Um, I was once um, whisked away on a getaway to San Diego, which has a zoo that has wombats, but the, the Australia excursion and, and actually holding a real one is still on my list of to-dos, which will most definitely happen in the next two years. Well, guys, that's all for this week's 12 Questions podcast. Thanks so much for chatting, Jeanette. Thank you for having me. For social media news, tips, trends, and more, feel free to explore. And we'll be back next week with another brilliant social media expert here at We Are Social Media.